Pazuzi has been poured and the Edgar Allan Poe candle has been lit in the witch's house. And I am your co-host from her own home, Andemic. And I'm your co-host from the witch's house, the witch. <laughs> Welcome to the Horror Salon Home Quarantine Edition. <laughs> Yes. So, so we've had we've had a brush with the with the COVID and um to be safe, we are coming at you live from our own homes. Um I will let you know, monsters, we are both safe. We're yep. both well, we're both yep. healthy as of the time of this recording. Um yep. there was a brief incident where I, the witch, may have may or may not have been exposed, and rather than chance anything we're being responsible um and we are quarantining from each other for um this episode and for the 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 next episode which might i add is the season finale of the horror yeah. salon which i should also say we're only quarantining for a portion of that episode a portion was recorded somewhere else at a different time so you'll learn all about that when you <laughs> watch that episode um but yes yeah, so Please excuse any glitches we may have today. Um, we usually like to do this together in studio. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned, but we're part of each other's quarantine bubble. So we usually do get to do this in studio and it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but since this exposure happened, we wanted to be doubly safe and practice what we preach. Exactly. So we are doing this remotely. So hang in there with us, monsters. So should we talk about these uh, these Pazuzis? Yes. Uh, because we've basically just, uh, uh, we're playing it by ear. And I don't have a lot of booze in the house. But what I do have is a, a bottle that I have held on to for sentimental reasons of Grey Goose Citron Vodka. So it occurred to me, I'm enjoying a delicious Coke Zero. Sponsors yes. Coke Zero. I drink it yes. we do in business. Thank you, Coke Zero. <laughs> and so I just drank down a little bit and then poured in some um, citron because I do like a lemon in my Coke Zero from time to time. And I have to say, it's delish. I am mad that we're not together, so I can't take a sip of that because yeah. that sounds delightful. It really is. Yes. Um, I have done a different pazoos, obviously, since we are separate tonight, we can't do the same thing. Um, or I should say we could have, but we were not about to coordinate that situation. So <laughs> I made what I am lovingly calling a hot Ginny. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like a hot toddy, but you make it with gin. So um, I, we posted that recipe up online. So hopefully some of our listeners indulged <laughs> and are drinking themselves a nice hot Ginny uh, this evening, listening or, to us. <laughs> or get yourself a Coke Zero and throw some Citron in it and call it a, a hot endemic. I don't know. A hot endemic. <laughs> I love that. That's perfect. A chilled endemic. I don't a know. Chilled, a chilled. Yeah. Don't heat your, like. Actually, that's a good question. That could be a fun science experiment. What would happen if you put Coke Zero in the microwave? Sometimes people drink uh, warm Dr. Pepper. What? 
Yeah. Have you not heard of this? I've not heard of this. Hmm. Well, that sounds like uh, an interesting experiment. And we'll have to make a Pazuzu with it. Yeah. Because it might actual, actually summon a Pazuzu. I might. You know, cooking these sodas. I love that. <laughs> so we have prepared these lovely beverages tonight uh, to talk about our theme, which is actually something that brought Andemic and I together in the first place ever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is literature, um, particularly scary literature tonight. Yes. Um, so both Andemic and I are huge literature nerds as well as horror nerds. Mm-hmm. And so we both have read spooky stories and scary novels and things of that like. And so we thought we would share with you some of our favorite spooky tales. Yeah, and a disclaimer, um, we are we know we're only hitting on the very, very tippy top snowflake on the iceberg. Correct. Because there is a rich abundance of dark horror gothic literature across all cultures, times, and places. Yes. Um, but we're just gonna, we, we just narrowed it down to a couple things that are, you know, quirky and fun that we remember from our childhoods. Um, and, and well, in our adult life too, but that we particularly love. So don't be mad when we don't really talk about Stephen King here or some of the classics. Um, we will at some point get to all, I mean, Stephen King gets his own episode at some point. Easy. Easy. I mean, it's Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe. Gets his own episode at some point, but they just have so much expansive work. Yes. It would be impossible to talk about them in an episode where we are highlighting a bunch of different stuff. So, right. um, but yeah, I, I can't wait to dig into them a little bit more. Yeah. So um, we're also going to touch a little bit on some urban legend kind of things, some scary stories, which uh, the ones I that I'm going to talk about for mine are are urban legends. Um, but long before technology and uh, all of the stuff we have today, storytellers were scaring the bejesus out of people, spinning yarns um, about what goes bump in the night. Yeah. You no, know? and these stories start in the oral tradition, um, really, and and even some of what we're going to talk about from um, scary stories to tell in the dark. You know, those all have roots in the oral tradition, some of them do anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they eventually find their way to the written page. And um, I think each generation breathes, breathes new life into these stories because you can see the motif of some of these stories in every decade, you know, every century. Absolutely. Um, but, they, but they change them up a little bit to reflect the times they live in. And I think that's really cool. And that shows how good these stories are that they stand the test of time. I couldn't have said it better myself. Could not have said it better myself. Um, So one thing I think would be fun to kind of start us off on this adventure is to talk a little, (laughs) if only you could have seen that face. Oh my gosh. So I may or may not have been a little heavy handed with the gray With the citron. This is what happens. It's December. We're hunkering down. It's fine. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to start off talking a little bit about what those early memories of scary stories are, or what the first scary types of stories were that we interacted with. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I recall quite vividly from memory is the series Goosebumps. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I don't know that I've mentioned this, but I'll mention it now. I am a 90s baby. Um, so this was kind of happening right in the time I was growing up, the Goosebumps series. So for those of you who may not be familiar, which I know many of you horror nerds are very familiar with Goosebumps, um, but for those of you who may not be, um, the series is authored by R.L. Stein, um, and the books were released between the years 1992 and 1997. So kind of, you know, early to mid 90s books. There were 62 books total in the original series. Now, granted, there are spinoff series. Um, I think there was like a 2000s edition of Goosebumps um, and some other fun like little anthology editions of Goosebumps. Um, but the original series had 62 books. Um, and what was really cool about those books is that they were written for children, obviously. Um, this is how I kind of got into the scary story. Uh, the protagonists of the books were usually always children, male or female. Um, and one of the things when R.L. Stein got interviewed about, why did you decide to write spooky stories for kids? Like what really got you into this? He has a really famous tweet actually that um, he just likes scaring kids. So something along those lines, like he just likes <laughs> scaring kids, which I thought really would resonate with you, Anne, don't I? Uh, I mean, what is better <laughs> than that? And I, I did you mention, um, he, he's from Ohio, right? He R. is from Ohio. He is from Ohio. And I, I might have this wrong. I think he has some connection to Ohio State. He may have like gone to Ohio State or something like that. So he's from the Columbus. He's been in the Columbus area. Absolutely. I know that. He has. Yeah. Um, I, I, I saw him once at the Ohioana Book Festival. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Ohioana. Yeah. Uh, so... I think he's really cool in that regard in that, you know, he just wanted to write some spooky stories for kiddos. But mm -hmm. then the other thing that he mentions a lot is that he thinks his stories were so popular because there aren't, there isn't really a ton of death. There's not a ton of violence. There's scary situations and things yeah. that kids would absolutely be frightened of. Um, but not a ton of like really gory stuff. Now he says that, but there are certain instances where death and violence occur, but it's not prevalent by any stretch of the imagination. So I think that's really cool um, about the, the series. Um, the other thing I should mention before we kind of dive into the actual stories themselves is that they're really quick reads. Um, I remember when I was a kid reading these books, it would only take me a couple hours to get through them. And they're pretty thick books for a kid, but they're just written in a way that's really engrossing. Um, so it was really quick to get through them. Um, and so I think that's probably why I owned an entire collection, <laughs> Sure. which is funny because actually I now have that collection in my house. I went up to my mom's house a while back and was cleaning out my childhood closet and got all the goosebumps, put them in a big, awesome. huge box and <laughs> I have them now. Um, so I'm really, uh, jazzed about that. Uh, Shout out to this though, that found its way into that box. Um, apparently <laughs> at some point I picked up a nice little, um, you know, you're at the dollar store when you're a kid, you're like, mom, I want to get this, this, and this. And she's like, you can pick one of those things, even though it's the dollar store, it's uh -huh. going to cut me. But I picked up uh, Shivers. <laughs> it is a series by MD Spencer, clearly the dollar store version of Goosebumps. 
Um, but I had quite a few of these in my Goosebumps collection as well. So I need well, to go I mean, back. Yeah. And once you get through the Goosebumps, then what? So you read the head shivers. Into shivers. Head into yeah. the shivers. Um, this one is called The Curse in the Jungle. Ooh. I don't remember that one at all. Um, but yeah, so I have all the Goosebumps books. And I think really what I'm going to do is I'm going to reread them. I think you should. I do think you, I'm going to reread them. Right now, just in the memory of reading them, um, do you have a favorite, a favorite I, story? I absolutely do. So that, and this actually probably will come of no surprise to a lot of the Goosebump nerds out there. My favorite story is The Haunted Mask. Oh, do so tell. Do you, do, okay, so the, the synopsis is, um, basically there's this young protagonist named Carly Beth. She's a, a young girl um, and she's really kind of a, the nervous type. Um, and she gets bullied a lot at school because she's so nervous and really easy to scare. And so on Halloween night, she decides that she's gonna turn the whole story around and she's gonna scare the bullies rather than the bullies scare her. So to do that, she goes to her local mask shop and buys the scariest mask she can find and she puts it on and then some terror ensues because she <laughs> can't get the mask off and oh. it starts transforming her. So she's getting punished for standing up for herself? Yeah, that's actually very accurate. That's very uh, accurate. Of course. Uh -huh. so but do these have uh, like morals or uh, cautionary um, tales or? I wouldn't say there's really a moral at the end of these stories at all. Um, I think they're really supposed to be quick spook factor reads. Okay. Um, in fact, I think there is an interview out there with R.L. Stein, and he said that it basically he wrote these um, one to scare kids, but also <laughs> just as like literacy. So yeah. like this was his way of like contributing to that scholastic tradition, right? Of sure. kids like wanting to excite kids about reading. Yeah. And so you know, if you have kids and they like spooky stories, right? Why not write a spooky book and then get them really excited about reading those books? That's great. Yeah. So there's not really like you know your tra traditional moral or anything like that, but they are you know just spooky tales. Um, What's really cool about that haunted mask story? So many uh, of the goosebump the goosebump stories have been turned into. They had a goosebumps TV show. Oh um, right. Uh -huh. And so the haunted mask had some episodes on that TV show, and I watched it in preparation for this episode. Mm -hmm. Still, hands down, the scariest goosebump story that is out there. And I'm saying that as an adult now. It is legit scary. Interesting. I'm going to have to check this out. You have to. Actually, um, I can say that the show, the series Goosebumps is streaming on Netflix. So oh. you can go and stream away. Excellent. I'm, I have to check that out. Mm -hmm. um, highly recommend The Haunted Mask. And then um, another one of my favorite stories is The uh, Werewolf of Silver Swamp, I think Ooh. it's called or something mm -hmm. like that. It's excellent. Um, but I did, so I noted the, my favorite story, but my favorite story does not have my favorite character. So there are reoccurring characters? There is one reoccurring character in the Goosebump universe that I know Wait, of. is it the dummy? Is it yes. the damn dummy? It's the damn dummy. <sighs> What's the dummy? Slappy. Slappy the dummy. Oh, for God's sake. So he also has some episodes 
um, highly recommend those. Um, I think they're called Night of the Living Dummy. Um, of course it is. <laughs> excellent, excellent. But I rewatched that obviously to get into this because I wanted to reread the books, but I didn't get, of course I didn't do that in time, which I could probably could have done it today if I would have slacked off at work, but I, uh -huh, uh -huh. I didn't. If you would have slapped off yeah. at work, if I slapped off. off. But, <laughs> but I watched the show and I still like, Slappy is so, I like him so much because he's scary for a kid. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Scary for an adult. Like the damn dummy is talking. Yeah. Like and yeah. moving. His little eyebrows are going up and down, up and down, and he's <laughs> flailing. Like, what the hell? But he's just like hilarious too. He's like scary and hilarious at the same time because he's like very vaudeville and it's got this like real, like, <laughs> oh, it's so funny. His voice, his eyebrows, and the stupid stuff he does. Like, he's a scary dummy, but because it's for kids, like, he paints on a, on the big sister's picture. Of course he does. He does try to actually, like, bludgeon the dad with a guitar, which I think is, pro is Holy pr Hannah. pretty, the funniest part of the show. Um, so is there one about a scarecrow? Yes. I don't remember the name of it, though. There I is though, because like, I see the I see the cover of it. In okay, because I feel like maybe I saw that episode of Goosebumps. I've seen just a couple of them, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the scarecrow comes out of the field and ends up yes. looking in the window. Yes, yes, Yikes. that sounds right. That sounds right. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend. Um, either checking out the show, definitely check out the show. I mean, that's not going to take any of your time. The, the episodes are like 20 minutes long. It's mm -hmm. like not a big deal. I would definitely recommend checking out the show, but if the show entices you at all, get yourself a copy of some of these books. I am going to make it, you know, 2021 is the year of me reading series. And I think the Goosebumps series is on the list. So if you are here, Shout out to Monsters. If you want to, if you have interest in this, we could do a Goosebumps reading challenge where oh. we all read the Goosebumps books and we can have a conversation over Instagram. So if that is of interest yeah. to our Monsters, let us know and we will do a Goosebumps reading challenge via social media. Just let I me know. I like that. You know what else I like the idea of doing? Maybe a Goosebumps um, book club. I love that. You know, something we can, you know, we can talk about that, but something, yeah, like a fun mm, horror salon horror book salon. club. Book club. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's really my highlights from the Goosebumps series. Um, there's a lot more, obviously, stories than just the haunted mask and slap and slappy and the night of the living <laughs> dummy. Um, my, I, I do have to give a shout out is the guy who does the, did the artwork for the books. That was one of my draws. Like one of the reasons I picked up these books was the phenomenal artwork yeah. on the covers. And the original artist was Tim Jacobus, um, did all that art. So I have to give a shout out to him because I think that if I picked up those books because of the art, I know that other kids probably picked up those books because of the art and then just kind of fell into them and loved them for what they were. Um, sure. So I think Tim deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, so yeah, 
So Goosebumps, excellent, nostalgic piece. Check it out if you haven't already. We'll get this book club going and get back to you. Okay, so that was a perfect segue, the last thing you said, because um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, mm-hmm. uh, the next book series, this, this is the one that I remember uh, from my youth, uh, the mid, early to mid 80s into the early 90s. Um, it's a, a series of three, three books, and I think there's roughly like 82 stories or something like that. Uh, written by Alvin Schwartz, but for me, the stories are great, but the illustrations oh of, the original, of the original books oh my gosh. is absolutely phenomenal. Stephen Gamble uh, illustrated the original books, and he's an American illustrator. Uh, I think he's, he's illustrated over 50 books. He won a 1989 Caldecott Medal, uh, for U.S. picture book illustration. I mean, um, deserved. Yeah, that was for the book Song and Dance Man uh, by Karen Ackerman. Um, there's not a huge amount of information about him out there because he uh, he doesn't tend to really give interviews or anything like that. But um, the, his work, that is what kept me in the books. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I read the stories and those were fine, but man, those, the illustrations just... I, I don't know. They some of them still stick with me. Oh my gosh! I mean, they, I, I have the book right here. I have yeah. to show you this, like, because I I literally okay. I mean, look at this illustration. I know. I know. This Isn't is the that, scariest the, one. Uh, this is the haunted house or the the haunted house. So the yeah. haunted house. Um, I wrote this down. Is by far the scariest illustration. You have to get this book and check it out or I bet if you just googled it you could probably find a picture of the illustration yeah, you totally can. um the illustration is scary like mm-hmm. today is scary mm-hmm. and is. they like the strategic placement of it mm-hmm. they put it on the left hand side of the book so that you have to read the right page before mm-hmm. you can flip and it's a picture of like this decaying corpse yeah watching you with these hollow eyes uh-huh. and Ivan today when I was reading it I'm like she's staring at me she's staring <laughs> at me yeah oh my there, god there's a there's a very painterly quality to to his illustrations uh almost watercolor and yes. everything for this is done in uh black and white um and they're just they're so atmospheric um and they're they're not just face value either. You can find new things in each of them um, that just sort of <laughs> yes. that get in there. But some of my favorites, um, the big toe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> big toe. The big like, toe is Aaron so Kelly's bones. There's a, a dead man one. dancing on a snapped foot. Um, cold as clay. Uh, it's a corpse in a casket and I can, I can right now envision what his little hands look like. Yes. The corpse's hands. Um, and let's talk about the red spot. Uh, speaking about uh, uh, the woman from haunted, the haunted house. It's, it's an illustration of a woman and she's got spiders coming out of a sore in her face. 
Oh my gosh. I know what you're talking about. That's not mm-hmm. in this. I only have the scary stories to tell in the dark. There's what's the, there are a couple other ones. Yes. I have there are two others. I think it's in that one. It is gross. It is gross. in a good way. In the best way mm-hmm. is gross. Yeah. Uh, wonderful sausage. Did you read that one by any chance? Um, sure. It's about a, 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 like a butcher who will basically make meats out of everything cats dogs men women children and the illustration is kind of of an arm and a hand and the hand is holding a fork of food basically feeding you from itself oh my gosh i I, that rings a bell that rings a bell insane i mean what the (laughs) i mean how many kids go to therapy now (laughs) because of those illustrations because of these illustrations uh the white wolf um the wolf's eyes just stare directly into you and and as a kid i mean it excited me and terrified me all at the same time absolutely it's probably why even still to this day one of the reasons i love being scared (laughs) yes yes Um, I, I have to mention, because you said things that you just now noticed. Mm-hmm. Did you ever notice in the, what is it called? Uh, the, a new horse. It's about the, basically, it's the boo hag tale, but they they spin it as an old witch turns them yes, into horses. Yes, yes, right, yes. That the illustration of the horse, there's the tiniest high heel on the back hoof <laughs> to indicate that that's not just a horse. <laughs> not just a horse. <laughs> I just noticed that today and about pissed myself. That is, oh my God, just fantastic. Um, and if you look at not just the, the illustrations of the people, but of the, the his landscape imagery mm-hmm. is devilish and it's, it's just stellar. The guests, the window, the walk, the church, um, they're desolate, they're isolated, they're full of these insane creatures um and you and just like the high heel you find something new every time you look at it it's it's almost worth buying the books just to flip just through for, the, yeah, pages just for the pages of the artwork yeah I, um, I totally agree and you know you to me they it feels like you can step into them yes very easily um which i love uh, yes well it's the it's the hounds of oh can you hear can you hear the hounds see yes. that's the that's the joy of working uh remotely of doing this remotely as you get to hear all the creaks and cracks of the house because we're not in the pot we're not in the pod basement we're in the, we're in the pod study oh so um but anyway i you know i i don't really have a lot to say about the stories themselves because i was always just more captivated uh with the artwork um, and on an unrelated note, I just want to give this other uh, artist a shout out named Arthur Sudam. Mm-hmm. Um, he, his work, I can see, I can see a similarity in his work, although he works with a lot more color, but um, he has a, he, Arthur Sudam has a large body of work and um, some things that, that some of our listeners might have, have seen, the Marvel zombies uh, from the comic books, he has, he, he's done a lot with comic books. Deadpool, Black Panther, um, he did the kiss zombies. Um, but he brings this classical painting approach to, um, to the comic art, which is fantastic, but there is a similarity there. There's a likeness. 
Um, so if you like these illustrations, check out Arthur Sudam. I awesome. had the, the privilege of meeting him a couple years ago at a Comic-Con and I, I didn't know what to say. I just fangirled. Yeah. His work is, is phenomenal. So I had him, I, I got to get a signed print and it was so awesome. Anyway, that I just wanted to awesome. give a shout out to him too. That's awesome. That's, yeah. That's so awesome. That's, that's, that's what I have to say about scary stories. Well, can Check I share? Yes. Yeah. Can oh, God, I share? Yes. Um, Cause this is another one of my, the series from my childhood that I picked up. And for those of you out there who are also literature nerds, let us all take a moment to reflect on the wonders that was Borders Bookstore. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. They, I was a, I had my Borders card. Uh -huh. I would get the, I would get all the, the, I would have the pepperoni pizza pretzel and a um, blood pop, a blood pop from the cafe because they just put cherry syrup in a soda. I called it a blood pop. And a I blood pop. A, oh, I would have God. a blood pop. And then you had, they had that kid's section and you go back there and you could read books back there, but that's where mm -hmm. I picked up these, in fact, all these scary story novels and many of the goosebumps and everything that I own today. So mm -hmm. shout out to that nostalgic piece, Borders. You love know what my bookstore was. Yeah. I mean, I remember Borders. I don't know. Do you remember Walden Books? I have heard of Walden books. Mm -hmm. I've never been to, when I never I was went. A kid, yeah, that was, that was the bookstore, Walden books. Um, Excellent. Yeah. But Excellent. I, I love that. A blood pop and a blood pop and pepper. a pepperoni pretzel and read my books. Mm -hmm. But that is where I picked up my scary stories. And I, so like I said, I reread this one, the scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, and I reread it today just to kind of, pick up some of the stories. I remember them all vividly, but I needed, mm -hmm. like, I wanted a refresher. And so I wanted to share with you some of the things that I kind of pulled out of it now <laughs> reading it as an adult. <laughs> I still think the most terrifying illustration is the haunted house uh -huh. with that woman staring at you as yep. you're reading the story. If you have not seen it, Google the haunted house, scary stories to tell in the dark. Mm -hmm. You will understand what I'm talking about. Um, my favorite, so what's super cool about this book and the series is that not only were there stories in it, but they included games, they included songs, poetry, um, at the, like the first chapter, um, mm -hmm. it included instructions on how to tell it. If you were telling the story in person, like around a campfire or at a sleepover. So it like jump now, scream yeah. now. <laughs> so it was a super fun, like interactive book. Um, and so the hearse song, this song has gotten stuck in my head, even beyond rereading this, just like random points in my life. I remember the worms crawling. The oh my gosh, crawl yes. The worms, the worms pay pinnacle on your snap. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. So I re I saw that in there today and that gave me such joy. And then I have to say, there's at the very end of the book, there's a section about like modern day scary stories or modern day for this time. And I think this will segue nicely into our next um, kind of segment on just our favorite scary stories because it really was reflective of the urban legends of the time. 
Um, and I still find those to be the scariest and probably because that's the time I was growing up where those stories mm-hmm. were really chilling because they could happen. And yeah. so things like high beams, which was um, the yep. urban legend of the guy shining lights because the killer was in the back of the car. Right. The legend of the babysitter um, and all the lore that surrounds the babysitter and the killers in the house. Yep. Um, those stories are reflected in the scary stories anthology and they're terrifying. Even in the simplistic language that it's written mm-hmm. in for a kid, the ideas are still terrifying. Yeah. Um, so I would highly encourage anyone to echo Andemic to get a copy of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yeah. Um, to not only like just go down a fun nostalgic trip, um, <laughs> yeah. but also just to kind of see some beautiful artwork And they're still haunting stories. Um, Even though they might have been written for children, they're still haunting. Yeah, no, absolutely. There was a movie recently, uh, maybe what, just a year or two ago, The Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, yes. It was okay. It was okay. Um, But apparently in 2011, uh, HarperCollins released a new series, uh, The Editions Again, but had a different artist and man the, the fans were like uh what no no those I mean, stories def- or those those illustrations define those define books. that those books they mm-hmm. absolutely do i think the stories are scarier with the the image that those yep. those create so yep. yeah check them out for sure so that's a bit from our childhood mm-hmm. um so I don't know if Andemic, you kind of want to kick us off with, you know, just some, you know, that's what got us into the fandom. But now I think the literature horror fandom, I should say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, since then, we've obviously grown and changed our tastes and found different things that we like. Mm-hmm. And um, so we thought it would be fun to share um, some of our favorite scary stories or types of scary stories with you that resonate today um and resonate with us as you know adults um yeah 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 so you know an urban legend um it it is a story that is circulated as truth Mm -hmm. so whoever's telling the story says this happened to my friend's friend or my cousin or it's always told from the perspective of being a true story because somebody knows somebody that it happened to Yes. Um, which, uh, which is pretty awesome. And if that were absolutely true, this world would be a hell of a lot more terrifying than it already is. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, my goodness. Yeah. And, and I think these, some of these stories were, were born out of trying to keep, uh, keep teenagers in line, you know, keep them on the straight and narrow. If you go out and mess around, you're going to be killed or, but one of my favorites, and this, I heard this when I was a kid, and it has stuck with me, and I, I'm just going to, I'm going to read it to you. It's not, it's not long. It's just a, a sh- very short story. Sure. Um, but it's called The Licked Hand. <gasps> yes. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Okay. The story of a young girl who left home alone one night but was left home alone one night, but was protected by her dog. The parents told the girl to lock all the windows and doors after they had left, but there was one window in the basement 
that would not close completely. Trying as best as she could, she finally got the window shut, but it wouldn't lock. So she just left it and went back upstairs. But just to make sure that no one could get in, she put the deadbolt lock on the basement door. Then she- Smart, 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 smart. Then she sat down and had some dinner, fed her dog, and decided to go to sleep for the night. Settling down, she snuggled up in bed. Her dog slept underneath the bed. She reached her hand down and let her dog lick it as she said goodnight. During the night, she woke up with a start. The girl lay there wondering what had woken her up. What had woken her? Oh my God. When suddenly she heard a noise. It was a dripping sound and seemed to be coming from the bathroom. She must have left the water running and now it was dripping. No, don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) So, So thinking it was no big deal, she drifted back off to sleep. But she still felt a little nervous, so she reached her hand over the edge of the bed and let her dog lick her hand for reassurance that he would protect her. A few more times during the night, she awoke, and each time she reached down and let the dog lick her hand and then drifted back off to sleep. At around seven in the morning, the girl decided she had finally had enough and got up just in time to see her parents pulling into the driveway. Good, she thought. Now someone can fix the sink. With that, she walked into the bathroom to see a horrific sight. Her beloved dog had been skinned and hung up on the curtain rod. The noise she heard was the blood dripping into a puddle on the floor. The girl shrieked and ran out of the bathroom. And there on the floor next to her bed was a small note written in blood that said, humans can lick too. <laughs> I mean, that's horrific. That dog. It didn't do anything. I know. It didn't do anything. So maybe that's even the most upsetting part of the whole story. The dog. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I like that you don't know, you don't know who or what the killer was in this particular version. Now, there are other right. versions. Right. Say she was listening to the radio and a killer was on the loose. Right. You know. But I like this notion of completely unknown. Just the note. Arbitrary and with no rhyme or reason. It goes back to what we talked about in the Halloween episode of how what you don't know is the scariest of all. That's exactly right. It's like you don't know what you don't see. Oh, it's so scary. And so basically from the time she fell asleep, whoever was laying on the floor was licking her hand. Oh my God. Like, and waiting for her to wake up and be lucid enough to put her hand down there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you know, that, that image conjures up all sorts of Mm -hmm. fucking creepos in your head. (laughs) Well, and if you, if you have any kind of sense, which probably as a kid, I didn't, I still wanted to stay home alone. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Crazy. That's terrifying. So do you, do you have one that has stuck with you? Yes. So mine isn't an urban legend though. Okay. Um, mine is just a scary short story that I was introduced to in college. Um, I was a creative writing minor. So we did a lot of short story reading and, and kind of, you know, taking the writing, um, techniques of all these different writers and trying to implement them in our own writing. And so this, I will mention one of the, you know, the horror greats who we will dedicate a whole episode to eventually, but Stephen King, um, 
I think Stephen King gets a lot of accolades for his uh, his novels, which rightly so. He he does write brilliant novels, um, mm. but he has so many good short stories um, okay. that are terrifying. Um, and this one in particular is called The Man in the Black Suit. Um, it was originally published in the New Yorker magazine in 1994 on Halloween, in fact. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and basically the synopsis is a young boy, he goes into the woods um, just to fish and he comes face to face with the devil himself. Um, okay, I, do have a, I do have an excerpt I, I would like to read. It's very yes, short, um, but I do want to say beyond, before reading the excerpt, um, some of my thing, the reason I find this to be so scary and also to be my favorite by far uh, scary short story I've ever read um, is that of course it's written by Stephen King. So it, it has the ability to transport you into mm -hmm. this place, mm -hmm. into this scene, like I've never seen before. The setting, it's in Maine, as many Stephen King short stories and stories in general are. Mm -hmm. um, but you are in those woods with that child. You're fishing. You understand. He has this way of being able to describe something like fishing, which some, some of us have done. Like I've gone fishing before, but I don't know mm -hmm. the, the lingo. Like I mm -hmm. don't know what all that. But he describes it in such a way that it's like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so you're in the woods with this, this little kid, um, he sets it up so well, you know, he characterizes these characters in so few pages that you, you feel like, you know, the family, you know, the kid, you know, the mom, you know, the dad, um, who he said goodbye to before he went on his adventure. Uh, he set up just enough backstory to make it a little eerie. So there's a, there's a, older brother in the not in the picture anymore because he passed away from a bee sting so there's like this this haunting backstory that's always coming to the forefront of the character that's always bothering him as he kind of goes on this adventure into the woods um and then some brilliant foreshadowing by the mom and the dog um you know being worried about him going off on his own and the dog kind of not going with him he always goes on fishing trips with this little boy but not this one um, and the little boy like noting that so you get all this really cool mm. setup to the story mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um before you get into the woods and you meet the devil but um just a quick um excerpt from the story and then I would heavily recommend if you just Google the man in the black suit by Stephen King, you'll see it in a couple places. Um, and I highly recommend reading it. It doesn't take too long at all. Awesome. Um, but here you go. I was more afraid than I could ever write down more afraid than I want to remember, but I do. And I should set this up. The story is from, he's writing this as an older man wanting to get it out in his diary. Mm. Um, and in this scene, he just met the man in the black suit in the woods. Okay. It never even crossed my mind to hope I was having a dream, although I might have, I suppose, if I had been older. But I wasn't older. I was nine. And I knew the truth when it squatted down on its hunkers beside me. I knew a hawk from a handsaw, as my father would have said. The man who had come out of the woods on that Saturday afternoon in midsummer was the devil. And inside the empty holes of his eyes, his brains were burning. Oh, my God. 
Isn't that already you're like chills. I got chills when I read um, that. Yeah. You know, I, I've got plenty to say about Stephen King. Um, good and controversial. But, same, same. But, but that shit. And I, that's, that's how I kind of am with Stephen King is there are things mm-hmm. I love. There are mm-hmm. things that I adamantly do not love. Yeah. Um, this story, which I will say has some elements that I probably could suspect you don't love either, um, that I'm like, why is that in here? Yeah. But it completely is washed away with the sheer terror that he is able to pull out of this very short story. My um, God. Yeah. Um, I look forward to reading that. I've not read yeah. that one. Yeah. So I highly recommend Again, The Man in the Black Suit by Stephen King. It is a masterclass of horror writing, in my opinion. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. (laughs) So I I basically stuck with the, I got into the urban legend thing rather than uh, traditional short stories. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, Sorry, I I went on a tangent. No, no, no. No, I'm glad you did. um, Because then our our listeners can get a little bit of everything. but the other one that's, that has stuck with me for years, and again, this is another one of those, uh, you know, teenagers in, you know, teenagers in precarious positions kind of, mm-hmm. kind of stories. Um, but it scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Uh, and it just opened up my imagination to all sorts of, like, scariness. Um, so this one apparently began circulating somewhere in the 1950s. Um, a woman and her boyfriend are on their way home from somewhere and uh, suddenly his car runs out of gas. It was about one in the morning and they were completely alone in the middle of nowhere. So the guy steps out of the car saying comfortingly to his girlfriend, don't worry, I'll be Mm. right back. I'm just going out to get some help. Lock the doors though. She locked the doors and sat restlessly waiting for her boyfriend to come back. Suddenly, she sees a shadow fall across her lap. She looks up to see not her boyfriend, but a strange, crazed-looking man. He is swinging something in his right hand. He sticks his face close to the window and slowly pulls up his right hand. In it is her boyfriend's decapitated head. Oh, my God. Twisted horribly in pain and shock. She shuts her eyes in horror and tries to make the image go away. When she opens her eyes, the man is still there, grinning psychotically. He slowly lifts his left hand, and he is holding her boyfriend's keys to the car. <gasps> I mean, that's, that is- That's it? That's, that's the it. whole story? That is it, short and sweet. That is just one of the versions of, of this um, teens in the woods. One of them is, uh, they keep hearing a scratching noise and finally decide to drive away and then the hook from the yes. serial killer is on the door handle um and then there's the one where he the boyfriend goes for help and the girl is sitting in the car and she keeps hearing like a scratching noise um and she gets out and realizes it's it's her boyfriend's feet scraping on the hood he's been hung from the top of the car <laughs> so oh my i God. mean the, all the, all the iterations of that one are terrifying terrifying i have never heard that version mm-hmm. that version <laughs> is the scariest version <laughs> i think it might be he has the keys yeah oh my god 
Oh my God. Yeah, he's got the keys. Why couldn't the boyfriend just leave the keys in the car? Yeah, what the fuck did you take the keys for? <laughs> She's probably cold and can't listen to goddamn music. Yeah, exactly. I'm pissed at him. <laughs> so, I mean, as, as a kid, I played outside till all hours. And just having these, having these stories floating around in my head just added to the richness of the night. Yes. You know, and I love it. Love it. Oh, urban legends are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They're awesome. Oh my gosh. Oh, that is going to shake me to my core. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, so now do you want to talk a little bit about longer stories, novels? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Novels perhaps. Let's do it. Um, so you know, as I got more into the scary story and more into the, you know, the short story realm, urban legend realm, as the endemic's been kind of talking through, um, I started picking up books about scary stories. Um, and one of them, my favorite to this day, which I still have a lot to explore in the horror realm um, of novels, um, for sure. But one that sticks with me and it is a classic. So many of you are going to be like eye roll major, Um, (laughs) but it's the exorcist by William Peter Blatty. Mm -hmm. It is it's so the exorcist, it was published in 1971. It is still, I actually had to put that book down. I was so scared of it. Wow. Um, I had read it after I watched the movie. So I knew exactly what to expect because William Peter Blatty was actually very involved in the filming of the exorcist. Yeah. So the movie is not at all astray from what he wrote in the book. Like Mm -hmm. it is very similar if you were to put the two up against one another. Mm -hmm. Um, So you, if you've watched the movie, you've essentially, you know, the story of the book, but there is something about that novel and the way William Peter Blatty writes with just this matter of fact mm-hmm. um, language that is horrifying. And you can picture, again, not to hark, you know, on this point, it's the, you can't, you have to imagine it in your head. You don't have the image in front of you. You're being told in this very matter of fact, pointed language, mm-hmm. what's going on to your protagonist. Um, and you have to imagine it. So for those of you who are not um, familiar with the story of the exorcist, many of you I know are, um, but it's actually, it, the synopsis is it's, there's a young girl who's possessed um, and the story itself of the exorcist follows the um, the folks, the religious, um, the priest and, and his um, the folks in, on his team, so to speak, I don't know what else you would call them, mm-hmm. um, that go in and kind of exercise the demon out of the little girl um, and kind of follows their trials and tribulations in doing so. Um, but the way that it is written, it is unbelievably terrifying. I had to put it down several times because I was convinced I would not go to sleep. Um, so there's nothing really like... Uh, new or exciting to reveal about the book that you wouldn't have seen in the movie. I know many of you have seen the movie. I still think in the book and in the movie, if you watch the right version of the movie, not every version has this, is the spider walk of the little girl who's possessed. Oh. The, it's even scarier in the book if you read it. 
Oh my God. Um, the way he describes how her body is contorted in that walk is just horrifying. Um, so it's still the scariest part of the book to me. But one of the things I found in kind of researching it um, a little further is that Blatty was actually inspired to write that novel um, after he heard a story in one of his college courses uh, at Georgetown University of a 1949 possession. So that kind of got things rolling. He wanted to write this story. That's why it's set in Washington, D.C., because it's close to Georgetown University, which is, you know, a nod to where he first heard of a story that kind of inspired him to write this. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. I tried to find a little bit more out about that possession that inspired this. Um, and it is called The Exorcism of Roland Doe. Um, and that is a pseudonym. That is not the boy's real name. No one knows, or at least I couldn't find the boy's real name. So they call him Roland Doe. Um, he was a 14-year-old boy said to be possessed uh, and all of the kind of supernatural things that happened to the folks that went and exercised him are detailed in the movie. Um, I found it really fascinating though, um, the folks that did do the exorcism of Roland Doe, uh, they said the background story is, is that the little boy, he was an only child. He, because of that, grew very close to adults in his family. Mm -hmm. And one of those adults was his aunt Harriet, who was a spiritualist. And she introduced Roland to a Ouija board. Uh, That's always a good always great yeah but oddly enough um there's not too much that ties Roland to the Ouija board um it more so ties him to his aunt Harriet so she eventually passes away and all of this happens after she passes so I find that to be very interesting hmm. um and then all of the events that occurred in the movie are similar to what they said was happening to Roland. So speaking in different languages and the contortions of the body and things like that. But I just found it very um, interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't have too much more to say about it other than it is a horrifying book. <laughs> um, and even if you've watched the movie I would recommend reading it because it will scare the shit out of you again. <laughs> wow. I, I uh, embarrassingly admit that I have not read The Exorcist. Oh, it's, it's worth it. But I feel like it. I don't want to read that one in my own home. I had to read it when people were around me. <laughs> like I couldn't read it by myself. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing that resonated with me that you said, and okay, so... I, here, here's a controversial statement. I don't always think the books are better than the movies. I know most people sure. do. I don't always. Sometimes I do. But one thing, um, one thing I do love about a book that you don't some you sometimes don't get in the movie is that description. Um, they have to be so vividly descriptive to pull you in. And I. Um, and that put that made me think of, and I'm going to give a, a shout out to um, the author Brian Keene. He okay. um, he's in a he's a novelist, and he he's written a ton of stuff. But what I know him for are his books um, about zombie apocalypse, um, The Rising, uh, City of the Dead, and Dead Sea. Excellent reads, uh, quick reads, so good. 
But one thing that it was like a little epiphany when I read those books, he described how everything smelled with all the, the, the zombies, the dead people, the court, the animated corpses wandering around. The smell is not something that I don't really think is ever really addressed. I mean, in Land oh, of the wow. Dead, they call the, the dead uh, stenches, but that's about the extent of, of what I've ever, what I can recall about, about movies addressing the smell. Yeah. And when he talked about the smell, you could smell the herd before you saw them. It, I was like, oh my God. So I, I, I don't know. I can. That brings a, that's an interesting point because that brings like a senses thing into it mm-hmm. where it's like, you would, if you yeah. really consider it, you would. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. That just. And then you start thinking about what that would smell like. And think, smell oh my like. gosh. I mean, and then, and then you think of, you know, any, any of the modern stuff, Walking Dead, any of it. And you think of the scenes when they're looking on a massive herd of dead. Yeah. I mean, that would have, what? I can't believe smell has not been addressed more. So That's that is so one, one of the beauties of the written word is they have to work harder to pull you in. So they think of things like that. Yes. And I love that. I love uh, that too. So my favorite horror novel um, I, I've read it several times. It's called The Keep by F. Paul Wilson. Um, and it's from 1981 is when it came out. Uh, and he, F. Paul Wilson, he's a New York Times bestselling author. Um, he writes a lot about horror, adventure, sci-fi, that kind of stuff. Um, but here's something that I learned while just looking up uh, information about this book. I picked it up on a whim at some point at a, like a library sale for a quarter Mm -hmm. and didn't think anything else about it. I read it. I was captivated by it. I've read it several times, but it is actually part of a series. Oh, so, um, yeah, it's part of a series called, um, the adversary, uh, the adversary cycle. And I'm so excited about this because now I have stuff, I, I have yeah. books to find and read. Yeah. Um, but it, there's The Keep, The Tomb, The Touch, Reborn, Reprisal, and Night World. And these span uh, the 80s into the very early 90s. So awesome there. And you don't necessarily even apparently need to read them in order. And according to Wilson, maybe they're even better read in this order. I mean but who knows but he is um he's also known and and I don't know maybe some of our our people out there have heard of it um the repairman jack series I don't know if you've ever heard of that Mm -hmm. I had never heard of it no um but they started out as standalones and then some of this adversary cycle then then wove them in I just you know kind of like how Anne Anne Rice novels all just end up sort of um, tying into one another and some right, right. uh, Stephen King novels too. Um, right. But anyway, so this book, um, there's a movie that was made about this book that I also love. It is cheesy, but it captures the essence. Anyway, so um, one of the one of the first one of the first things that that you learn in this movie is uh, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm just gonna actually, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna read the synopsis for it. Yeah, perfect. I think it's so, I think it's so well written and I'm jumping all over the place, 
Um, so something is murdering my men. Fuss reads the message received from a Nazi commander stationed in a small castle high in the remote Transylvanian Alps. And when an elite SS extermination squad is dispatched to solve the problem, the men find, find something that's both powerful and terrifying. It's invisible and silent, and the enemy selects one victim per night, leaving the bloodless and mutilated corpses behind uh, to terrify its future victims. And pan so panicked, the, the Nazis bring in a local uh, expert on folklore who happens to be Jewish to shed some light on the happenings. And unbeknownst to anyone, there's another visitor on his way. And this is a guy um, who has awakened from a nightmare and has set out to combat this evil. Um, so it's like this, this, this battle between good and evil, the ultimate evil created by man, and this otherworldly unstoppable evil um, that is just going apeshit on everybody in this place. Yeah. So you don't really know what it is, but it's probably a vampire. And it basically, um, it seduces the, the folklorist and wants, to, wants him to, to let him out. To do so, he has to carry the certain thing out of the keep. Um, and he says, I will end this war. I will end the suffering of your people if you let me out. Oh my God. But it's all a lie because this thing, he was awakened by the very evil of man. So he right. was taking nourishment from it. And, oh, that's um, fascinating. Yeah. So it's this ancient evil. So it's just the, this, this, this struggle. And then, and then this, this, this guy, who, I don't know if he's an angel. I don't know what he is, but he comes to, to fight the thing. Um, but one of the, the creepiest things, the way he describes the, the manifestation of this thing named, named Molisar is what he calls himself to, to the guy that he communicates with. The way he manifests in the dark hallways of this keep, this massive dark keep, and um, just envelops these, these terrible humans and sucks you know sucks them dry and leaves them and I, I don't know it just it was so bone chilling to me um and the fact that when they get to this keep one thing they notice is there are crosses embedded in the walls of the keep but they all face inside oh yeah so i mean this book this book is fantastic this sounds Brilliant. Now I have a question from that synopsis and mm -hmm. from that description. Did you at ever any point find yourself rooting for this evil because yes. it's against Nazis? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but then at the same time, you know, you don't want it to get out, even though it would destroy yeah. everything, but you don't want it to get out because it will also destroy the good. The good. Oh, so it's good. like, what? Oh my gosh. That's such a, like <laughs> a conflicting story. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I don't know this, this book and, and in certain ways, I mean, the book is really thick and the movie, you know, the movie is a, a typical hour and a half movie, but to me, they captured that essence, that, that spookiness um, of this landscape. Uh, and what was going on in this keep and the music. Oh my God, the, the soundtrack is phenomenal. Um, but anyway, 
that is that is my favorite horror novel. I would I recommend it. it to anyone. I have to read it. That yeah. sounds fascinating. Yes. And I love a vampire story. You know, I love a vampire story. I mean, story. of course. Of Come course. On. Come on. So, um, so yeah. Oh, that's excellent. Oh, I'm so happy you talked about that because you've mentioned to me that your favorite horror book is The Keep and I haven't really mm-hmm. asked you too much about it because I yeah. was anticipating us doing this. Yeah. So I wanted it to be fresh, but oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Any, any time, even if the thing is horrific that's dealing out the, um, the justice when evil shit dwellers get what's coming yes. to them. I love it. Love that. <laughs> love it. Love it. So right. there it is. I love it. Wonderful. So um, before we get into what the hell, I think I should just kind of bookend. <laughs> you see what I say? Bookend. <laughs> bookend. Uh, this this um, this episode was saying all these stories. Oh, you have to. You have to. Have to. Have to go read them. Um, they're excellent. Um, and send us your favorite horror authors. We would yes, love do. to dive in more about this mm-hmm. stuff. And we're not joking about the Goosebumps Book Club. Yeah. I, it is happening. And it's I think it's a great idea. Phenomenal. And then you can get in. We'll, we'll maybe, maybe we can, um, maybe we can do a Zoom thing where you actually oh, get to fun. go face to face with Andemic and the Witch. That'd be fun. Uh, I okay. Know we got to make it for that. We're making it happen. <laughs> we're making it happen. Okay. Um, so let's, what the hell? What, what the, the hell? hell? What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? What the hell? All right. Uh, you want me to go first? Yeah, you go. You or go. You want to go first? You go. Okay. So I have a lot of fun on this vintage recipe site on Facebook. I know. I know you do. Uh, I love it's it. hilarious. And it's a gold mine for what the hells. I mean, it is wow. Um, this little gem came, actually, I'm going to give the shout out to Katrina Kittle. I'm not sure where she, maybe she even got it from the website. Um, and you all met her during the fairy tale episode. Um, so in, in honor of her, today's what the hell is a goblin sandwich. <laughs> I can't. So here's what you'll need, um, because I know everybody is clamoring for the recipe. You will need 18 tested quality donuts. Okay. One, one cup of Brazil nuts. Okay. One can of deviled ham. No, no. One Already. avocado pear. Okay. And Worcestershire sauce. Wait, what is an avocado pear? I don't know. I figured you would know. I don't know. I don't know. If is it's it an avocado? an avocado? Is it a pear? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So, so you toast the Brazil nuts and then roll them out. And then you add the deviled ham and pulp of the avocado pear. Then you lightly season it with the Worcestershire sauce. Split the donuts, spread on, and eat. Um, I mean, first of all, so uh, Katrina and I were laughing about this, and she points out that they have to be quality donuts. Tested. Tested. So you just nibble donuts. on them? I, I, maybe. Maybe. Um, but, and this recipe also just assumes that you have a can of something called deviled ham. Um, Where do you, uh, is that just spam? Is that just spam? I don't know. Is it near the Vienna sausages? It has to be, which I am, Um, I am convinced are human fingers. Oh my God. I'm convinced. I hope that's true. true. (laughs) Anyway, 
but yeah, it doesn't even give you a recipe to make the ham, deviled ham from scratch. It just assumes you have this can of deviled ham. Uh, no. What the hell? What the hell? Mm-hmm. And who is making that? Why is it called know. a goblin sandwich? Because because your family will gobble it up. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> My God. All right. So my what the hell, I'm going to give the real quick and dirty version of this because I, it's changing every minute. Mm -hmm. If anyone has the news turned on, (laughs) have you heard of the goddamn metal monoliths that keep (laughs) popping up all over the fucking world? Yes. Okay. Let me, okay. Utah. Metal monolith pops up. This weird triangle. If you've seen the pictures, this weird triangular thing just sticking out of the ground. They find it. They're like, what the fuck is this? And it disappears. <laughs> then it disappears. Shows up a world away in Romania. Uh-huh. Shows up somewhere. Okay. What the yep. fuck is this? That's where I I thought that was wild, right? And I'm yeah. going about my business like, oh, that's wild. Turns out. It's showing up in the UK. It's showing up in California. It's showing up everywhere. So does it disappear and then ends up in another place? Yes. What the fuck? Now, there's rumor that teens have been out there doing this as kind of like a viral prank. Bravo. Bravo. Yeah. Because what the hell? (laughs) I... I am convinced, though, that it is aliens. I really just want it to be. They're signaling out. They're saying this earth is fucked up. We want to be beamed up. Come get us. Because you know they're already living in the ground. You know. You know that there are aliens in the ground. Okay. They're beaming up. They're, They're signaling. They're spaceships. Come get me with these metal monoliths. I mean, so we, yes. we know there are aliens in Utah, which we already knew. Well, I mean, yes. There are aliens in Romania, vampires. Yeah, Fine. yeah. I mean, yeah. U- UK, UK has everything. Of course, they're uh-huh. over there. Of course. Cal- California, close enough to Utah. I'm telling <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I mean, a la world of worlds, they rode the lightning down. They did. Into the ground. Here for centuries. They're going up out of these metal monoliths. <clears throat> Sending up the, the alien signal. Yes. yes. Telling you. Telling you. This is what's going to happen. All right, monsters. Well, I think that about does it. <laughs> oh, wait. We didn't say, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> well, I think this about does it for our literature episode. Um, but I think definitely diving into this a little bit more i have to say we're probably going to be digging into some of these horror authors in oh, full episodes um so please like i said send us if you have some loved horror authors mm-hmm. or horror series mm-hmm. or just spooky stories that you think would be fun to share um we want to hear all of it mm-hmm. we are always looking for recommendations yeah. And we are always looking for a good spooky tale. Or if you yourself has a good spooky tale that mm-hmm. you'd like to tell, we'd love to hear it. Yes. Um, so you can send all of that to our email. That's info at thehorrorsalon.com. 
please, please, please um, share uh, all your fun, spooky stories because we want to hear them and maybe even feature them on an upcoming episode. That would be super fun. Um, if you want to check us out on social media, because it sounds like we're going to get some cool stuff going up there. Um, we already do. We, are. we promise, already do. I promise it'll get better though. <laughs> we already, yeah, it's only going to get better from here. Um, you can follow us at the horror salon on Instagram. Um, and then also check out our website, uh, thehorrorsalon.com. We are going to be working away um, at getting some new content up there, especially this winter, um, because if you didn't hear at the front of our episode, our finale, our grand finale of season one, the season of us, uh-huh. um, is coming up next week. Um, so it's going to be a really special episode. Encourage you to tune into that. Um, but we're also going to be taking, as it is our grand finale, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break to plan for our next season, um, which you will be hearing much about in the new year in 2021. Um, but we're going to take some time to plan for that. So in that time, we're going to be adding to our website, adding to our social media. We hope that you'll give us some great input and feedback. Um, So lots of fun stuff to come. This is not the end. It's just a brief time for us to get planning on what's up, what's coming up next. Um, So be sure to to keep keep listening. Um, We'll be back in late winter. Also on that note, um, if you have a friend, if you have a colleague, if you have a family member, if you have a random stranger walking past your house, (laughs) um, we would love it if you would suggest our podcast to them um, and we can grow this monster community even more. We would love to have more listeners and share our love for horror and hear all about your love for horror and share your love for horror. Mm-hmm. Um, so please, please um, let your friends and family know. Um, and also, if you could like, subscribe, share um, any place that you listen to podcasts, that super helps us. It helps us kind of find new folks um, that are interested in uh that might be interested in our podcast, get to know us a little bit more. So any of that kind of stuff is super helpful. Yes, indeed. What she said. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so with that. <laughs> oh, the candle is out. Oh God, the Pazuzi. The Pazuzi is, uh, ha- is done. It's most definitely empty. So thank you. We appreciate you. Um, it's just, we're just a couple of nerds talking, and we appreciate that you're listening. Um, so with that, I am your co-host, Andemic. And I'm your co-host, The Witch. Thank you for listening to The Horror Salon, where we curate the strange and unusual. Until dawn, do us part.
monsters, it's the witch. And Anne Demick. Music for this episode is Rage by the 126ers. Check out our website for show notes and links to some cool extras. Later, nerds.